Hey everyone, this is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com, and you're listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Okay, welcome back, and uh, I just want to jump right into this um, today. If you... um, Let's see, I, I use a New King James Bible, an Old King James Bible, and a translation called the American King James. So let me read from, um, I know there's some people that believe it's the um, King James only, um, and I understand why people have that opinion. But I don't get hung up on the translation issues, because if you have a concordance, you can uh, either online or offline, I actually still have one of the old concordances, one of those thick thicker than phone book type books where you can look up words. <clears throat> I actually used it last night um, thinking about this scripture, making sure that what I remembered the word to be is actually what it was. Now, here's the thing. In the uh, in different languages sometimes, and that would include Hebrew and Greek. You know, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew and in the New Testament it was in Greek. But there's uh, issues sometimes in translating things because there are certain idioms and certain languages that don't translate literally properly word for word. And so sometimes we have sentences that seem a bit choppy. And so people get really hung up on the words, every single word. And I understand why they're doing that because they want to get the correct meaning. But sometimes you have to use several passages and compare them in light with one another to get the full meaning of, of the thought behind it. You can't just take an isolated scripture somewhere and build, build all kinds of thoughts around it. So this is one of the things that I had in mind when I was reading this uh, scripture. So in um, John chapter 14, verse 8, Philip talking to Jesus, this is the King James Version. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. So obviously the Father was dwelling in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. He was doing the actual miracles, supplying the power, Because Jesus came as a man. He came as the Son of God, but he didn't come with all the extras, (laughs) right? Because originally, Jesus didn't do any miracles until the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was at the wedding at Cana. Remember when Jesus turned the water into wine and said, this is the beginning of miracles that Jesus did. So he was just as much the Son of God before that wedding feast as he was after it. But the only difference was, was that God filled him with the spirit basically he was filled with himself so he was um just as much man as he was god i know it's difficult to understand sometimes but um you know i have parents and um i'm just as much part of the family as they are you know so you would say who's who's more of your family Your parents or the grandparents or, I mean, when you look at things, you think, well, you're just, you're one family. The family is is one. You are in a lineage. You're you're connected. And so Jesus was 
uh, of that lineage, born into the seed of David, but by the, the seed of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's leave that there. Um, verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. So the reason why people are doing the works of Jesus today, and some of Jesus' works were natural, but most of them were supernatural. And he said, the reason is because I go to my Father. And then verse 13, it says, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So some translations, this that's verse 14. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So elsewhere in the, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, In that day you'll ask me nothing. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. He will give you. So Jesus said, if you ask God the Father for something in my name, he'll give it to you. It says that in the 16th chapter. So that's pretty plain, right? Prayer is to be made to the Father in Jesus' name. But yet here, <clears throat> it says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So there's a difference between I will do it and the Father will give it to you. right? Can you see the difference there? So we can break this down into the original language and, and some translation says if you ask me anything in my name but that's hard to understand because Jesus said in that day you'll ask me nothing and so people get all balled up with well who are we supposed to ask right so what I did was and, and what I suggest you do is compare other scripture verses to this verse to get a, the full picture of what's being said so, for example, in Acts chapter 3, verse number 6, Peter saw the lame man sitting at the what was called the uh, in Solomon's temple at the beautiful gate, and he was begging for alms. And in the Acts chapter 3, verse number 6, Peter says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And you know the rest of the story? that he was made totally, he was totally healed, right? It says, taking him by the right hand, Peter helped him up, and at once the man's feet and ankles were strengthened. And then the people were amazed at the miracle which had happened. And Peter said to the crowd, don't look at us as by our own power or holiness we made this man walk or we healed this man. So, what did he say? What caused the miracle to happen? He said, let me read uh, the 16th verse for you. Now, I'm thinking what translation am I reading from right here? Hold on a second. Let me get this in the new King James Version. I think it'll be a little easier to follow along. Acts chapter 3. Okay, starting in the 12th verse, he says, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this or look so intently at us as though by our own power 
or godliness, some translations say holiness, that we made this man walk. So verse 16, it says, And his name, through faith in his name, that's the name of Jesus, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So this verse, when he uses the name of Jesus to make this man walk, to bring healing to this man, goes right along perfectly with John 14, 14, because in those verses, no praying is done. He's just talking about using the name of Jesus. Take a look at that again, John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name. So if you look at the King James version of this, the word ask is a Greek word called aatio. And the reason why it says of uncertain uh, derivation, to a it means to ask in general, but it can also be translated to call for or to require or to crave or to desire. To call for. This is interesting. So remember, Peter was actually here and heard these words spoken in real time. He heard Jesus say in verse number 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, Jesus healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, did miracles. So when you see the words, Whatever you shall ask in my name, that I will do, verse 13. So whatever you shall call for, if you take the word ask out, whatever you shall call for in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So when people see miracles done in the name of Jesus, and so verse 14, which says, if you shall ask anything in my name, use the definition that it's in Strong's Concordance. If you shall call for anything in my name, I will do it. Let's see another example of this. Acts chapter 9, verse number 34. Ananias said Peter to him. This is the, uh, let me get back to the King James Version. Actually, it doesn't make any difference what version. It's, it's pretty plain and simple here. Peter said unto him, Ananias, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Today we'd say it like this. Jesus Christ heals you. Arise, make thy bed. And he arose immediately. There, you don't see anything with Peter praying. And this isn't, I'm not talking against prayer. I'm just saying what brought the miracle, what led to the miracle was him saying in the name of Jesus. Do you see that? Verse number 16, Ananias, Jesus Christ heals you. Now, I gave um, a testimony in a previous podcast. I don't know if it was one or two podcasts ago. I forget now. But when I was laying on the floor in agony, and all I could say after I prayed, I prayed and I didn't receive, I didn't see any results. I didn't feel anything. But I said over and over again, Jesus is healing me now. Jesus is healing me now. It's my version of Jesus Christ heals you. Right? It's a present tense statement. Jesus is healing me now. That stuck with me a little better than by his stripes you were healed. And I think the reason is, is because... Uh, were and is, were is past tense, is is present tense, and will be is future tense. <clears throat> so according to Mark eleven twenty four, the Bible says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, 
and you will have them. But yet in the verse right before that, it says, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe the things which he says shall come to pass, he will have what he says. So when I was in agony and couldn't form a, a sentence because I my, couldn't catch my breath, the pain was too severe, I would say, Jesus is healing me now. 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 Over and over again. And then I would lay there for a few moments. And then I would start in again. And then I tried to get up off the ground. <clears throat> and the pain was so severe, I fell back down again. And so I would say, Jesus is healing me now. Jesus is healing me now. And um, I was alone at the time. And I guarantee, had somebody been with me, they would have called 911. But they weren't. So I just kept on. Jesus, heal me now. Jesus, healing me now. Jesus, healing me now. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Jesus, healing me now. Now, what, what I was doing, even though I wasn't 100%, didn't understand, quote-unquote, the doctrine of it at the time, but according to John 14, 13, if you call for something in Jesus' name, Jesus said, I will do it. John 14, 14, if you shall ask, if you shall call for, if you shall require anything in my name, I will do it. So when I said, Jesus is healing me now, and I was saying it in his name, I was doing the first part of that verse, and then Jesus, the Holy Spirit, came and did the second part, an hour and a half later. I went from agony to instantly healed. Now, all that time, I remember thinking that it's not working. You're not really believing. God's not going to help you. You're in bad trouble. You're, you're dying. It felt like I had ruptured something in my body. And... I didn't have time to logically think about things. Sometimes your mind, the more logic you put into it, the more squirreled up you get. You know what a squirrel looks like when they run across the road? They run and they stop, then they turn around, and they run a step or two, then turn around again, as if like the car's trying to fake them out. Well, sometimes you do that when it comes to spiritual things, because everybody wants the answer sooner than later. I don't care who you are. And if given the choice, everything would happen instantly. So I used to really dig deep into why things take longer sometimes. And that led me on a rabbit trail like that's, I don't even know how to explain what it was like. I literally invested years into listening to testimonies, opinions, and stories of people who prayed for things and it took a long time versus people who prayed for things and got them immediately, right? So... I found it easier just to say, I don't understand how everything works, but this I know, that if you stay with something and you refuse to give up, it will come to pass. Jesus said in Luke 18.1 that men should always pray and not faint and give up. So if I look that verse up, you look it up in different translations, it doesn't make any difference what translation you use. It means the same thing. Don't faint. Don't give up. Don't quit. It says it in the book of Hebrews like this, follow those who through faith and perseverance inherit the promises. So the second issue I, deal, I dealt with over the years was um, what if something's blocking it and you don't know about it? And because you don't know about it, the answer will never come. When I started thinking that way, I was able to rationalize all kinds of things that could be blocking it. 
Because first of all, I don't walk a perfect walk before God. I don't always make righteous decisions. I don't always say the right thing. I don't always think the perfect faith-filled thoughts. Sometimes I'll, I'll say something that is motivated by fear and doubt or discouragement, just like anybody else does. But then it suddenly occurred to me that Peter said the same thing to the people. It isn't our own power and holiness that manifested this miracle in front of you. See, when you get into that mindset where you control the power, you control the, the process, you do all those things, here's what you have control over in reality, the attitude of your heart. That's something you have control over. If there's something in you that you know isn't right and you know you need help with or whatever, you need assistance, you need to go to God for yourself about that. You know, stop asking other people's opinions about everything. Sometimes you just need to learn how to start asking God when you don't understand. Sometimes you need to start leaning on God when you need help. Instead of running away and trying to fix things and then come back, God already knows who you are. He already knows your hangups and weaknesses. He loves you regardless of them. And if you just be honest and say, Lord, I remember... There was a uh, man named Harold I knew years ago. I should say I knew of. I didn't know him personally. I heard his story. He was trying to give us smoking cigarettes. And he said the harder he tried, the worse it got. He started adding a cigar to the mix. And it just got so bad, he was just overwhelmed with it one day. And every time he would try and pray and things wouldn't happen, these thoughts would come. And this is a religious spirit. This is how religious spirits work. That the reason why is because when you look at yourself, you'll always find things that are lacking. But Peter said it as best as it could possibly be said. Miracles don't happen by your own power or holiness. It doesn't happen because you're ultra-sanctified. So, again, you got to look at what the Bible says, not what you're hearing from other people. Learn how to look at these verses for yourself and ask yourself the question, does this, make, do these, does this add up or not? Or if somebody tells you something, well, where, where do you see that in the Bible? And so simply by using a, a handful of scriptures like death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18.21, or say to this mountain, um, Mark 11.23, or use the name of Jesus, John 14.14. 14. I always pray first. Let me get back and tell you what happened with Harold. He was so frustrated that he finally went to God and he said he loves smoking. And that if it was up to him, he would probably be smoking around the clock. And he was sick of fighting it because every time he would fight, he would try to lose. And so he gave up. And he said, Lord, if anything needs to be tweaked or, or, or changed, it's going to have to be done by your spirit inside me because the part of me that's broken, I can't reach it. I can't fix it. I've tried and I failed. I've only made the problem worse. And so that openness and that honesty is what caused his breakthrough. And a short time after that, he quit cold turkey, didn't go through withdrawals, and never. Now, you may hear that and you may go through the emotions, but you have to open. It's not the words that he said. It's the fact that his heart was open to God. And so what I've learned over time is if I'm going to pray for something, then 
after I ask God for it in Jesus' name, if I don't see the results right away, I don't want to walk away and not continue to be a doer of the word. And I don't want to not be in faith and continue to ask God for something. I mean, how many times can you ask God for something, right? The Bible says if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So the two things I've learned is, number one, after you pray, you're going to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. So the way I learned personally was in that moment, in the middle of a crisis, when I just learned to say, Jesus is healing me now. Jesus is healing me now. Now, if it was another problem, I would have just changed that to Jesus is whatever. It's not the words that are important. Don't get hung up on the words. It's the sincerity of heart and the desire to see God's power at work in your situation. Instead of giving up, resigning yourself to things remaining as they are, and walking away from it. That's the easiest thing to do. I was at a point once where it seemed like answers to prayer were so inconsistent. Sometimes they were incredible and sometimes they weren't. And I got really frustrated with that. And what I discovered was <clears throat> the times I asked in faith, it things would happen. But I couldn't always ask in faith. Because sometimes I was overwhelmed by doubts and fears and, and confusion. And so I would just shut my mouth and I wouldn't do anything. Instead, I would read other people's opinions or talk to other people about it or try and, and, and see what somebody else did, um, how they got their victory. You know, then you get into this situation where you're reading all these books about the Bible. You're not even reading the Bible anymore. Well, there's only one word of God, right? And there's only one Father, and there's only one Jesus. And both of them want to give you the answers personally, yourself. You just have to learn how to do the Word instead of just hearing it and then walking away. And so this principle of death and life being in the power of the tongue, it works for absolutely everything. I can use the name of Jesus and speak life about a certain situation and say it over and over and over again. And when I say it, I'm releasing words of life. You can do the same thing. You release words of life into your situation. You do it in the name of Jesus. And you do it over and over and over again like a, a broken record. Because it's not because of your much speaking that God hears you. But those words of life will transform you from the inside out. They will open your heart up. They will cause unbelief to flake off in layers. For example, I remember a situation that I was in. It didn't seem like it was ever going to change. And I was honest with God about it. Just like Harold Hill, my friend there, was honest about his situation with his smoking habit, with his cigarettes, and later his cigars. And I, and I would tell, I told the Lord, I said, you know, I understand logically what I need to do. And this is a business-related thing. And I understand what the Bible says about the situation. And when I look at it, it looks like 2 plus 2 equals 4. It's very simple. But yet in life, 
when I actually go to do these things, it feels like it's not right. It feels like it's not working. And I feel like I'm getting easily discouraged about this situation. And when I said that, I felt all of the frustration suddenly be released from me. And I knew it was God's spirit doing it because I was trying to do that myself. So the next day when I come back again and that frustration like dust just seemed to appear again overnight. And there it was the next day again. There's a few. Did you ever wonder where all the dust comes from? Well, think about doubt and unbelief. It's like that dust. It's always there. It always has to be cleaned off. Jesus used that simple example with the washing of the feet. He says, the word that I spoke to you has made you clean. You don't have to take an entire bath, but your feet need to be cleaned because you were walking in a space that was not clean. Well, we live in a world that's not clean. And God's word has cleaned us from the inside out, but you still need that additional cleaning. So what I'm encouraging you to do, let me, let me end with this uh, testimony that I heard back in October. Uh, this preacher was talking. I heard this testimony years ago, but I, I heard it again in a new and a fresh way. And he was talking about uh, a woman he met in the hospital whose husband was hours away from death. And he had been in some kind of accident, and they said there wasn't one chance in 10,000 for him to live. And so the, the preacher shared with her Mark eleven twenty three. So she sat by the bedside, and she said he was breathing like once every 60 seconds. If you've ever been in a critical situation, um, I remember being in a few where seeing somebody laying in the bed dying, and they breathe every once in a while. And sometimes you think that was their last breath because how could you hold your breath that long? But they're simply unconscious and they're, they're at death's doorstep. And so he taught her Mark eleven twenty three, and she said, she prayed and then she said, in Jesus' name, my husband will live and not die. In Jesus' name, my husband will live and not die. In Jesus' name, my husband will live and not die. And she said it, and she said it, and she said it. And she said it probably for three hours, sitting by the bedside of him, him just breathing every once in a while. She just kept on saying it and saying, my husband will live and not die. Now, again, this is a critical situation. If it wasn't critical, she probably would have said it throughout her day. But she's sitting there by the bedside. Every breath, according to the doctor, could and should and will be the last eventually, very shortly. So she did this for three weeks. Three weeks later, he was breathing normally, and I believe it was four weeks later, he was home from the hospital, having made a miraculous fast recovery. And the preacher asked her afterwards when he talked to her, and I actually heard the man's testimony years ago about what, how he woke up and he wasn't even aware of what, what had happened, all the details of it, how, that he really was until afterward. And the wife would say it. She said, my husband will live and not die in Jesus' name. My husband will live and not die. She said it until she got tired and then she would rest a while. Then she would say it until she fell off to sleep. And she slept in the chair through the night and in the morning she would wake up and she would say it again and she would say it again and she would say it again. And here's the thing, you know, the Bible works. You look at yourself and it says, 
God's no respecter of persons. It doesn't make any difference whether it's coming out of a man's mouth or a woman's mouth. It doesn't make any difference whether it's coming out of... And when we say the Bible, we're talking about not that you have to literally quote a verse, but make a statement of faith based on a verse or quote the verse directly. It doesn't make any difference what translation, all things you know, being equal. As long as you're speaking the truth and you're speaking it in Jesus' name and you're saying it, when you stop saying it, you stop being a doer of the word and you become a hearer only. You understand that? Let me say that again. As long as you're saying it, you're doing the word. When you stop saying it, you're just a hearer only. You know it in your head, but it's not coming out of your mouth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And there's more to that than we realize, because if there wasn't, Jesus said that every idle word that a man will speak, he'll give account of in the day of judgment. If idle words have that much power, that people are going to be judged in that day by them, then how much power does a purposeful statement of faith that a believer makes Jesus is healing me now. Jesus is healing me now. Or I will live and not die. In Jesus' name, I will live and not die. Or, or whatever it is. If you have money problems, make a statement of faith that resonates with you. If you're having issues in the family, pray about the situation and then keep on making statements of faith. You follow what I'm saying? I wish I could hear you. <clears throat> because if you're not following then I would like to say it another way that helps you. But John 14, 14 is the scripture that I was focusing on today. I, I um, encourage you to get into for yourself. If you have a translation or you use a translation that says, whatever you ask me, meaning that Jesus said, pray to me, then um, look up other translations and use a concordance. See what the word ask actually means. And then compare what the disciples who actually heard the words in real time did in the book of Acts, how they used the name of Jesus to bring miracles to people, and how you can simply do that, simply be a doer of the word by opening up your mouth in Jesus' name after you've prayed and keep on making statements of faith over and over and over and over again. It's not that God's deaf and can't hear you, right? It's not that the devil's so mighty that he's resisting you. Uh, because he's just too big for you. It's that your own heart has been affected in ways that you don't even realize yet. So not only will God's word, not only will the name of Jesus be affecting the situation that you're that you want changed, it'll also be transforming you from the inside out in the process. And that is the key. The truth can reach places we can't intellectually access in our own power, or reach with our own strength. God's for you, not against you. And I really hope this truth will find a, a, a good place in your heart that you hold on to it, that you start using it, that you pick something simple in your life, and you do what we said now. Again, it's not the actual technical words that you use. As long as you use the name of Jesus, as long as you keep on saying it, and keep being a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. So that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening. Um, if you'd like updates whenever there's a new podcast, new information available, go to the main website at www.faithtestedbyfire.com. Sign up for the update list, and we'll send you an email whenever something new is available. That's all for now. God bless. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>